Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Mox on the Mic is presented each and every week by Smart Bank. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Goforth, along with our producer, Tate Johnson, and we are certainly glad to have you with us here on Mox on the Mic. We have been very, very fortunate over the last, I don't know, almost 52 shows that we've been able to bring you here on Mox on the Mic over the last year to be able to visit with some really great people. Some are current student athletes, some are former student athletes, and of course, uh, a, a large number of coaches as well from around Chattanooga Athletics. We wanted to take a minute here on this Christmas week and kind of give you a not quite a best of, but we did want to talk a little bit of Chattanooga football because it's it's been a while since we've been able to do that. And I wanted to kind of go back through the archives of Mox on the Mic and kind of bring you some of our favorite conversations that centered around Chattanooga football. We're going to hear from Cole Copeland, who is a current member of the Chattanooga Mox football team, a guy that was a, a standout football player in high school locally at Bradley Central, had a tremendous freshman year for Chattanooga, was away from the team for a little while, but now Cole is back and uh, competing for that job to be the Mox starting quarterback. So we're going to hear from Cole Copeland coming up in a few minutes. Tay Davis was an outstanding football player for the Chattanooga Mox. He's now in the National Football League. The things that he did this summer during the pandemic that made an impact on the people in his hometown through Meals on Wheels and making sure that people got fed, it's really, really tremendous. And one of those, look, if you're a, I don't care if you played football for UTC or not, if you're a Chattanooga alumni, the story that Tay Davis will tell you in this podcast will make you proud, not just of him, but it'll make you proud to be a mock. But we're going to start with one of our best conversations I had, and this was, this was going way back. Ronnie Powell was a fantastic football player here at UTC. He led the mocks in tackles as a defensive lineman back in the 70s. He finally went into the UTC Hall of Fame back in the winter of this past year. It was in February, I guess it was, or March. And so we sat down with Ronnie around that time, the weekend of his induction, and got a chance to talk to him about what the honor of going into the UTC Hall of Fame, what it means to him. But but also we talked to him about his playing days at the Chattanooga, with the Chattanooga Mox and what he's been up to since then. So without further ado, let's get into it one more time. It's Ronnie Powell on Mox on the Mic. Ronnie, I got a question for you. Sure. Who's this guy? You recommend <laughs> you recognize that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that looked like Ronnie Poe. <laughs> wow. Gilbert Town, Alabama. Gilbert Town. So why Chattanooga? Uh when I came on my recruitment trip, they sold me. They put me up at the choo-choo. I'm a country boy. <laughs> I never flew on a plane. So when they put me up at the Chattanooga choo-choo and the uh, hospitality, sold me. I had a couple other schools, but they sold me. So you come, and at that time, Chattanooga football had a lot of – there was a, a very much a New York presence on that team. Did you ask those guys why they all talk funny? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had a lot of Italians and uh, a lot of guys from New York, and 
Coach Chris Morrison was from up that way, so it was like playing for. He actually had the team set up like a pro football team. That's what I enjoy so much about playing under him. Well, I was going to ask you about Coach Morrison. Your your recollections of of him and and playing for him. He was a motivator. He made you feel like if you didn't play, the team would lose. That's exactly how he made me feel. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you weren't surprised by the success that he had once he left here. Then not at all. Not at all, because like I said, he was a motivator. On one occasion, I was had an injury, and I was in the whirlpool. He came in and said, my wife and I was talking about you last night. You don't get well, we can't win. Of course, I knew that wasn't true, but <laughs> it felt good. 6'2", 225 pounds. Now, you would probably be a safety today. It's 6'2", 225, maybe, maybe an outside linebacker. But you played on the defensive line. Yes. Um, led the team in tackles as a freshman, as a defensive lineman. That's unheard of. Take me back to your freshman year. How do you go from Gilberttown, Alabama, to leading Chattanooga in tackles as a defensive lineman in your first year? I guess just believing I could motivate. And I, I started out on the scout team. You know, you come from you come from high school, you're a starter. You know, I was the basketball player and a football player in high school, uh, leading rebounder. So tenacity was always part of me, and uh, started out there on the scout team. I was on the scout team for two weeks and. One day I was sitting in there watching film, and my defensive coach, of course, Coach Joe Lee Dunn, came and said, you think you can beat that guy? I said, yes, sir. He said, you starting this week. So from there I went. Joe Lee Dunn, another guy that left here and had a long career in college football. Joe Lee Dunn, one of the greatest coaches I know. Did you like playing for him? I did. He was hard-nosed. Yeah. And that's the kind of coach I needed to bring 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 it out of me. Coach Henry Sorrell, he was he was my uh, defensive line coach and I learned a lot from him. He was my mentor. That was a just a fantastic group that you got. I mean, those were some really good football teams that you were a part of. Now, when you came as a freshman, Chattanooga was not a part of the Southern Conference yet. Am I correct? So it was still – they, they didn't call it 1AA or, or any of that back then. What did they call it back then? I don't even remember. I just, we just – we was considered, I guess, a second-tier level school according to the other ones, you know. I don't really know what they called it, honestly. I just remember winning the Southern Conference. You won it a couple times, didn't yeah. you? Well, of all those guys I played with, Nine of them was, are in the Hall of Fame. So that was quite a group. And all of us had a chance at pro football, so that was good. Did you get that opportunity? I did with the Bengals. I got offered there. My junior year, I got offered a, a contract for 35000 Yeah, with the Bengals. How did, it, how did it play out? Well, I guess I was 
being from where I was, I was more concerned about finishing my education. Right. And that was first with me. Right. And so by the time I got to my senior year, I had went into the ministry, and my values changed. So football wasn't a part of it then? After Not that. then. No. All and I American, had a family also. Right. All-American as a sophomore. Uh, it's, it's, you had the most remarkable college football career, though, to go from a small town in Alabama, two weeks as a, as a, as a reserve to a starter to an All-American and a multiple-time Southern Conference champion. How much talk do you remember at that time about joining the Southern Conference? Did did you do you did you know anything at all about those schools? I did. I did. I did. I, I knew. I knew what the Southern Conference was. I knew the schools that were there, such as the Citadel and all those other schools there. Because some of my best games was against Southern Conference schools. Yeah, I just I knew, I knew about it, and uh, we was glad to get in the in the Southern Conference at that time. Because it gave us more exposure. Who was the big rival back then? I remember uh, probably, I would say, between Louisiana Tech and uh, Appalachian State, I would say. That didn't change much for about with Appalachian State for, what, about 25, 30 years after, even after you left. Yeah. But that was uh, one of one of our greatest defeats and our greatest victory, I think. One year they beat us seventy two to fourteen. Oh. And we ran wind sprints forever. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember that. We ran wind sprints. Seventy two wind sprints. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's why we didn't lose anymore. <laughs> You mentioned uh, your teammates having a shot at, at playing in the NFL, and there were a lot of them uh, from that era uh, that got a chance to go play. Absolutely. Give, give, me, uh, give me a good story about some of those guys. If you got one, you can uh, share. Pete Pallera, he got drafted. He was, uh, he was an offensive lineman, uh, one of the most menacing Italians I ever met when I first got there because he was huge. He was about 6'3", six, 6'4". When I came in on recruitment, that's the first one I met. And I remember him standing up. I thought he was going to stand up forever. <laughs> uh, but uh, my challenge was to go against him. And, of course, you know, Greg Cater was, uh, I think he signed with uh, Buffalo or somebody. Yep, he was yep. a punter. Greg, Greg was a punter uh, for Great guy. Yeah. He's pastor now, too. Yep. Yeah. And uh, – of course, uh, Mike Smith got an opportunity, but he went to the Army. Wayne Durden played a little bit in the, uh, the Canadian Football League. Uh, Tony Ball, Jacob Brandy, I think he played a while. So we had quite a few guys that played pro ball. How many of those guys are you still in? You mentioned Tony Ball. Uh, Tony's in coaching. hes I don't think he's ever left football. But how many of those guys are you still in contact with? You still uh, – Talk to Jacob maybe once every three or four years. Tony Ball, I talked to him on Facebook, of course. Now, most of the guys we play with, we're all on Facebook together, so we communicate. As a matter of fact, I talked to Tony Marandino two weeks ago. So uh, most of us, are, and of course, Mike Smith is here. Mm-hmm. He's also a minister. What does it mean to you to get this honor? 
Well, actually, when I got the letter, I weeped because uh, my years of playing football was my defining years. And, of course, it afforded me one of the greatest things I could get that I couldn't afford was a college education. And I made sure I got my degree. So I grew up at UTC. It's my defining years and the, the camaraderie and the uh, friendship with the teammates is uh, insurmountable. And of course, the coaches, uh, just things I learned. Most of all, it's just, uh, I felt, to be honest with you, I felt like win. If you led the team in tackles, you was wanting to win. Right. You know, that you was, uh, that would happen. And it's a great honor for me because it's a great part of my life. Catch us up on where you've been and what you've been doing since you're since you took off that Mox football helmet. Well, I I've been pastoring for thirty seven years. Uh, uh, basically, I I went back to school, of course, uh, got my doctorate in theology, uh, but been pastoring, doing ministry, basically, uh, raising kids. Raising kids now, enjoying my grandkids. Who all is going to be with you this weekend? All my kids and all my grandkids. They'll definitely be there. I got some. I got some grandsons that are athletes. One is a was a quite a football player at a, one of the middle schools, and another one uh, playing basketball at wall. So I'm proud of the legacy being passed on. They do they know the story? Oh, Have yeah. they heard the stories? Oh, yeah. They weren't very interested in it until <laughs> <laughs> they started getting older, but they see the clippings. And uh, my second grandson, he's, they say he looked like me, so he's, he's a good football player. I think it's going to be good. Ronnie, welcome back. Well, thank you. And congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to Ronnie Powell for giving us some time. What a uh, man! What a great story, and just what a really, really nice gentleman he was to be able to spend time with. And I uh, hope Ronnie, Ronnie, I hope you're listening. I hope you're doing well, my friend, and appreciate you uh, giving us some time. Tay Davis has an amazing story. He is one of several mocks right now that we've got on NFL rosters and, and mocks that have been in NFL training camps. And uh, again, Tay just has a story that, as I said before, even if you're not a, a Chattanooga football fan, even if you're not a, a former player, if you are just somebody who attended UTC, the story that Tay Davis will tell you will really make you proud, not just of him, but it'll make you proud to be a mock. Tay Davis He's with the Cleveland Browns, but before that, during the pandemic, he spent some time with us here on Mox on the Mic. COVID-19 hit your family pretty hard. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Um, yeah, um, probably say uh, it feels like forever, but I guess you said two and a half, three weeks ago, um, I get a phone call and I hear that um, back in my hometown in Lynette, Alabama, um, Chambers County, my aunt church um, had a real bad outbreak for COVID. And the first 10 cases in the county was from the church alone. And um, my immediate reaction was, do any of you guys have it? Um, if not, I think you guys should go get tested just to be, you know, on the safe side. 
Um, and maybe two days later, I was getting, a, I got another phone call from a, a relative saying that they had to rush my papa, my great uncle, to the hospital. They believed that he had COVID. And uh, I just remember that just that first phone call, it was almost like time stood still. I really couldn't, you know, believe like that it hit that close, you know, to home. And you all, you know, you feel for everyone that's kind of going through it and everything like that. But just knowing someone that um, actually that you know and you love and you're very close with, you know, get impacted by, you know, this this whole, this deal, this virus. And like, it was just almost, it almost felt like a dream. How tough was it for you to not be able to be there? Because I mean, everybody's first instinct is I've got to get home. How hard was it to not be able to go home? Um, I think that what, was was hurting me the most um not 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 even necessarily just kind of being back where they were at but just kind of back home with my mom and my grandma you know those that's my grandma's sisters and brother-in-law and it was it was tough on her and just kind of you know I'm up in Illinois right now with my girlfriend and just kind of like just realizing that there was nothing I could do um I could drive back and potentially put myself at harm's way of you know coming down with the virus or um, while traveling down, you know, come in contact with it and spread it to someone else. And I ended up just having to kind of stay put and just, you know, leave it to God and just keep praying and let him handle it. Um, but it was definitely tough for me because I just even wanted to help. I knew there was nothing I could do. So two aunts and an uncle, how are yes. they doing now? Um, my aunt, and my uncle, um, they're doing well. They were, um, they've been pulled off the ventilators. They're actually back home now. Um, they're still required to do a two week quarantine. My other aunt, she's right now, she's at UAB, I believe. Um, she's asymptomatic, but um, she still carried the virus. So they're um, steady taking the precautionary measures and treating her. So you couldn't be there, but I think what you did was a, uh, fantastic thing and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you is you donated over 500 meals to to the meals on wheels coronavirus response efforts first off how did that come about how did you get involved with meals on wheels um well just kind of growing up i've always said that if i was ever you know in a position to give back that was you know that's the first thing i'm going to do um and once this pandemic kind of started up uh, you just kind of saw how chaotic it got. Um, and I really didn't know what to do as of yet. You know, then I started seeing a lot more guys donating, um, making donations, whether it was money-wise or meal-wise. And I got in touch with um, a PR, um, Allie, and we kind of just talked over a couple of um, programs and different things, and we came across Mills on Wheels. Um, and once I figured out Mills on Wheels was their main focus on the elderly, uh, I instantly thought my grandma um, back home. She's... Uh, I don't think she's left the house in probably a month, but she's fortunate enough to still have my mom and my sister there. So they go out and kind of deal with all the madness with the grocery stores and everything to kind of give her, get her the goods that she needs. So she won't have to risk herself going out into the madness or coming in contact with the um, virus. And I kind of just started thinking about other elderly people as well. And, you know, it probably is not as fortunate who have to um, risk it and kind of get out and deal with the madness to get the things that they need because they don't have anyone um, that's whether that's close or 
they live by themselves. So like they have to get out and do those things. So once I figured out what Mills on Wheels, um, what their focus was on and what, you know, their core values and more, uh, it was a no brainer for me. Um, so we ended up getting in touch with them and that's when I ended up making the donation. Tay, let's talk football for a minute. How strange has this been for you from a football standpoint? Typically, you would be in the Browns facility. You would be, you know, around your teammates. And, and with this going on, you get none of that right now. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely weird. Um, just because around this time, you know, you, you're building that relationship. You're building that foundation with guys. And you kind of, you're basically shaping your team. Um, so that's definitely the biggest difference um, right now. I mean, we still still kind of, you know, going on with our offseason, um, Coach Stefanski and um, all the other coaches, they got a great game plan together and um, a good structured um, structured out plan as to how we can conduct this offseason um, virtually. Um, you know, we still have our iPads, we have our meetings um, via Zoom. Um, the biggest thing is now you kind of can just – you can tell that who, who wants ball, who loves ball more, because um, it's it just put a lot more um, effort on the players. Like you have, you got to make sure that you do the, you know, go to your meetings, stay in your playbook, you know, get out running, and which I just got in for running actually. But um, you you got to do you got to do everything. Um, and my main focus is, and what I've been thinking is to continue to stay ready because you just don't know how everything's can kind of turn out, whether we have a season or not. Just continue to stay ready, keep your body up to par, just so whenever that time does come, you're not playing catch up. Is there more pressure now on this off season maybe than in in other off seasons for you? Because you talk about getting yourself ready, it is all on you now to do the work. There's not that that motivation of, of you guys being together as a group now, it all falls back on you. Um, I don't say it's extra pressure. Um, and I only say that because of accountability. Um, whether we're together or not together, you don't want to let your teammate down. And you know at some point you guys are going to get back together. And the last thing you want to do is be the guy that didn't prepare like he was supposed to. So um, you you do every any and everything you can to make sure you know your body is as good as in shape as it is. Um, because you just don't want to let your brother down. You don't want to let your teammate down. And knowing that if you handle yours and they handle theirs and when you put all that together, um, you have a pretty good group of guys that are going to be ready to go play a football game. You mentioned Kevin Stefanski taking over as the, the head coach of the Browns. you got a new head coach. You've got a new defensive coordinator now in Joe Woods. How much have you been able to talk to those guys over the last uh, couple of months? Uh, we've talked, you know, briefly, um, you know, Coach Stefanski and Woods. Uh, no, they're unbelievable, um, unbelievable coaches and unbelievable men, you know, off the field as well. Um, I, you know, I'm the first to say that I just not even been around them that much and not being around the guys. Like, I still have that excitement and buzz and just a great feeling about this season alone. Um, you know, they're bringing in a winning attitude. And, you know, like Stefanski, Coach Stefanski said, um, the key word is work. Um, and if we handle that and just continue to work, you know, things will, you know, switch over and go our way. And I have a very good feeling about this season. New defensive scheme. How do you go about learning the playbook right now? Um, it's not really like um, anything special. Um, we, you know, we have our videos and stuff we watch during the day. Um, I watch the videos and of the coaches kind of going through the install and everything. I take my notes and kind of go back through them. Um, coach Woods, um, he's done a great, you know, job with explaining things. Um, coach Tarver, my linebacker coach, um, 
Coach Bloom, Coach Bravo, all those guys, man, they, they've done an unbelievable job just going in and just detailing the small things and just kind of explaining things out where it could be confusing, but just the way they explain things, it, it eases it and um, it makes it a lot easier for you to learn from home. And you just got to put the time and just continue to look at the notes. But the scheme, um, it's, it's not complex. You know, it's, it allows us to play fast, which I really like, and I feel like it fits me very well. So, um, yeah. Have they given you any idea what the plans are for mini camps? Is that going to happen? Uh, what about uh, training camp? When do you when do you think you'll be back on a football field? Um, as of right now, um, the last thing I've kind of heard, um, and unless anything changes up, um, the off season will be completely virtual. So the earliest we'll probably come back is training camp. As of right now, we talked earlier with uh, with Nick Tiano, who just signed a a free agent deal with the with the Houston Texans. You've kind of been through all of this stuff before. What advice would you give uh, Nick Tiano? Um, definitely don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, you know, if you have a bad day, it's so what now? What? Um, just what are you going to do next? Um, and it's going to be a process. Um, there's, it's going to be tough. It's just, you feel like you're not going to make it. Um, there's going to be the days where you feel like you will make it. Um, but all in all, always give it your best. Give it your max ability, you know. Be a pro, um, represent Chatwell, um, because around the facility, everyone watches literally everything you do. So just be yourself. Don't try to be anyone else. And um, most importantly, have fun and enjoy it, man, because you're that 1% now. So Chattanooga has uh, – they've got a lot of guys now in that 1%. <laughs> I think there's six or seven now that are expected to be on NFL rosters. Are, are you in touch with any of those guys? Oh, yeah. No, I still talk to him. Of course, talk to um, Keontae, talk to Corey. Uh, when Buster was in New York, we used to run into each other and talk, you know, back and forth, you know, amongst each other as well. Still talk to Kareem, still talk to um, Isaiah. So I still pretty much keep up with all the guys and everything. So it's it's pretty cool to um, know that, you know, Chattanooga artists, you know, ETC is starting to put um, guys out of the league because um, when you're out there playing and after the games, it's nice to kind of see a familiar face and just kind of, you know, Laugh it up, you know, talk about memories and always get a jersey squad going. So what was the biggest surprise to you playing in the NFL? Coming from Chattanooga, what was the biggest surprise? Uh the biggest surprise, I would definitely say it wasn't so much the speed. It was just how smooth everything ran, which felt like it was a lot faster and just the mental side of things. Um, I mean in college. You know, all the guys, you know, we watch film and do everything like that. But once you kind of – you think you watch enough film and you think you know a lot about ball, but when you get up there and you get around different coaches or older guys, and you just see how they dissect plays and just kind of recognize, and, you know, their keys and just the way they go about their preparation, it lets you know that you have a whole lot more to learn. And um, that was definitely the biggest difference for me. And something I'm still, you know, working on to this day is kind of working on that routine of what helped me to prepare and what's – not really helping me. Tay, appreciate the time, man. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to your family. Hope out, hope everybody is well and able to be at home and maybe be at some Browns games uh, this fall. And, and again, man, really proud of, of what you've accomplished, not just on the field, but, but off the field as well. Thanks for hanging out with us for a little while. No, thank you for having me.
Thanks again to Tay Davis. Now we'll close things out with a current mock. Cole Copeland, he was a prep standout at Bradley Central, chose to play here at UTC. Of course, uh, there's a little bit of lineage there with him, uh, a little bit of a legacy with his family as his uncle was a tremendous basketball player at UTC. But Cole is carving out a path on his own as a Chattanooga mock, and we were glad we had the opportunity to catch up with him and talk some mocks football. Here's our conversation with Cole Copeland. So we had your uncle Chad on, uh, earlier, and I know you come from a really athletic family. Was there ever a point in time when sports wasn't a part of life for you growing up? Uh, no, no, it, no, not necessarily until, uh, until recently when obviously I left the program for that year and I went to California and I was planning on playing football. And then my brother-in-law got traded and, uh, that's uh that season so i was there so therefore i couldn't play sports for i guess it was probably six months roughly and that was the only time in my life that i've never that i haven't been around football or basketball or any sports really so it was a weird time and it uh really made me appreciate sports a lot more for sure i remember seeing you play basketball in high school you were a really a good basketball player uh, your brother was was tremendous as well did you ever consider basketball in college or did you always know you you wanted to play football uh, maybe a thought here and there but I always knew that I love football and and football was definitely the sport I wanted to do but I definitely considered it with uh Belmont and a couple scores like schools like that but other than that no it was always football for me all right so I gotta ask uh Cleveland Bradley's coming up in a, in a few weeks how much fun was it to play in that rivalry uh Rivalry is unbelievable for sure. They're uh, in high school sports. There's nothing like Cleveland Bradley, in my opinion. You got a favorite memory from uh, your time in high school playing in that rivalry? Uh, I can't really necessarily pick one. It's just kind of all of them kind of run together. It's just so fun. There's so many memories. It's hard to pick from one. But uh, just being being involved in that rivalry is just something special, especially when your family's been involved and there's a lot more weight involved into it once you kind of watch your brother play and what he did his freshman year and the last person to beat Bradley before Bryce his freshman year and the team Bradley obviously not just Bryce but uh was Michael Chad and uh I guess 88 around there so roughly a 20-year drought so but they didn't play when Michael Brent was there so I guess we can't really <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to call him out and saying he got beat, but they went to get the robbery. I think got so heated that they actually couldn't play. For yeah. A good amount of years. So, but you know. to see that, to witness that is, uh, I can't really put into words what, what that robbery means to me and, and my family. All right. I, I got to ask the question. I got to ask the tough question because everybody wants to know, are you the starting quarterback against Western Kentucky? <laughs> we, uh, we actually just started camp, uh, three days ago. So and we have a dude, Drayton Arnold, unbelievable dude, un unbelievable competitor. So it, uh, me and him are going to battle it out and whatever happens, happens. When you were a freshman here, you kind of got thrown into the fire early on in that season. Was there ever a moment for you when you realized, man, I can do this. I can, I can, not only can I play at this level, I can excel at this level. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Towards probably the second or third game, I started to realize that I could do this. And it started to slow down a little bit. And 
I wish we would have had more games, obviously, once you start kind of figuring it out, you know, because the way I went in, it was kind of towards the end of the season, so – or mid-season, and then you, it takes a little bit to get figured out. So, obviously, I wish there was a couple more games to kind of keep and continue to build on it. But, obviously, I turned the ball over way more than I should have my freshman year, and uh, obviously that's inexcusable no matter what age or what you're doing. So, but definitely, I feel like I could definitely play and – it was nice to get that under my belt before before everything transpired, for sure. You're in a new offense now uh, than, than what you played in a, as a freshman. How does it compare? Uh, our offense when we first uh, – with Coach Arth and Coach Scotty was very uh, – a lot of verbiage, very hard to learn. You had to do a lot of studying. And this one, you kind of – you can just play a little bit more and – Obviously, I was in the spread uh, in high school, too, so maybe that – I mean, I feel a little bit more comfortable just coming from that as well, kind of spread it out and see what happens with this offense. Coach Pizzo knows what he's doing. He knows how to dice it up a little bit, and it's going to be exciting for sure. Cole, you clearly showed, I think, when you were a freshman, you you were set up to to do well and, and I think excel in that that offense. But having watched you play in high school and, and being familiar with your game and and seeing you play as a freshman here, knowing what I know about what this offense looks like, do you feel like this fits your skill set maybe a little better now? I think it does, definitely. And obviously, if I had more time with that offense, but I was only running that offense one in the second year. Obviously, I was not eligible, so I, it was more practice. So seeing it in practice, obviously, when you're just giving a scout look is different. But uh, – I think so, definitely, because high school set me up. And Coach Freeman, Coach Floyd down at Bradley Central did an excellent job teaching me that type of offense. And then Coach Pizzo, obviously, is taking it to the next level for sure. So I'm excited about it, and I can't wait to to put it all together. I think everybody from, from fans to the media to, you know, seems like everybody's got an opinion about spring football. How do you feel about it? Uh it's just hard because you never really – it's just you never really seen it besides – I'm sure you've seen it with a couple of leagues, maybe CFL or somebody that's done it. I'm not really sure about all that. But I think it's just a tough turnaround to play in the spring and the fall. But obviously, I'm down to play whenever, and I think this team's down to play whenever. So, whenever they want us to play, we'll play. And one game, six games, ten games, doesn't matter. We're excited about it. Is it tough, the idea of playing just one game this fall? I mean, look, you, you've been involved in, in football since since you were a kid, and, and now you've gone from a, a normal, what I would could call a, a normal fall, where, you know, in high school you were going to play 10 games and, and the playoffs, and at, at Chattanooga you were, you know, you're going to play 12, and, and, and then, you know, the playoffs. To only have one game, I mean, how strange is this? Uh, as, as you sit and look at this season right now? Uh, it's definitely different for sure, but I'm just excited to be around football again and being around the guys. And I mean, no words can really amount to how much I miss the dudes uh, in my time off away. So just being back around them and because our defense, our secondary, our front, our front seven is, uh, is pretty special. So uh, just seeing them and playing against them every day, it's, uh, it's definitely exciting no matter how many games we have, but, just being around the game again is really exciting. Does it change your approach to the season knowing, you know, everything's kind of riding on, on one game now? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. I think uh, 
I think we're just going to prepare the same way as we always would. Obviously, we uh, it is weird being more in like a camp type vibe right now in this time of the year because obviously it'd be a game week and you're going helmets on Monday and it's a little bit a little bit more laid back and more you're just preparing for that one team and not even beginning to prepare yet and just practicing against our defense in a fall camp vibe is uh, it's definitely different but it is what it is. You, you mentioned the defense a second ago. I've been saying all summer that I, I wanted Chattanooga to play this year because I think that defense has a chance to be just downright salty uh, with the guys that are there. I, I don't know. How much have you been able to go against those guys yet in practice? We, uh, we've started cranking it up this uh, starting yesterday. So uh, it's definitely they, – they move around. They, uh, they're fast. The defensive line's big. I mean, strong, physical. I mean, it's every. I think they uh, they don't really have many weak spots for sure, and it's uh, it's good to see that in practice because once you get to the games, obviously, when you're going against a defense like that, it kind of slows down, which is definitely cool. Tell me about this receiving core you've got. We we know about Bryce and and what he can do, but a little bit about uh, some of those other guys you're throwing the ball to right now. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of weapons as well. Obviously, Lamb at running back, so and TP. I mean, we've got dudes, and it's just our job, Drayden and I, to just get in the ball and get in the ball in space and get in the ball often and early and just see what they can do with it. Well, Merry Christmas to all of you for joining us. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for uh, making Mox on the Mic a part of your week every single week over this uh, almost one year that we've been doing that. Thank you to Ronnie Powell, to Tay Davis, and for Cole Copeland for giving us some time and uh, sit down sharing their memories in the case of Tay and, and Ronnie. It was great hearing what those guys are up to now and looking forward to see Cole Copeland in a Chattanooga uniform when that spring football season rolls around. So thanks to all those guys for being with us. For our producer, Tate Johnson, I'm Chris Goforth saying so long, everybody, and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review, and we'll see you again soon.